Kevin Radio Talks. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special episode of Escopia Radio Talks. This is not a regular episode, um, hence you're watching it by where you're watching it at. Um, sitting across with me is a very special being who's been doing so much for the industry. He's been in the music industry for quite some time, or rather entertainment space, and is panned, I say the the way for 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 a lot of industry kids, you know, including ourselves. There's a reason why we're here. But nonetheless, let me not shy away or take away, you know, the introduction. I'd rather have him to do the introduction. How are you doing, bro? What's up, bro? How you doing? Good things yourself, bro. Good, am I good in the sound? No, it should be good. It should be good. It should be good. Yeah. You know, I'm introducing the slicker. <laughs> but everyone knows. <laughs> Everyone knows who Slicker is yeah. overall, right? But you know, we don't initially have an idea of who who is Siametan. Um, uh, I don't know. Also, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> For us, honest question, answer. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, uh, but like, are you more than a shell that's labeled with a name and a surname, uh, and it's about what you put out in the world? You know. Um, so all it is is that that's just what it is. I'm just wrapped in a name and a surname, but uh, but um, but I got things that I I have to do while I'm alive, and um, it happens to be that they around music, you know, and they around um, creation and they around creatives, and um, and as the world changes, whether you whether the new platforms are. Uh, social media platforms, whether it's NFTs, whether it's music on a CD or a tape, you know, um, the core of it is always going to be music and music stories um, that are told by people who mostly that's what they have expression, you know. So um, my job is to consistently be um, be be in tuned with. Um, with those spaces and with those with those voices of expression no matter as i get older it doesn't matter what their age is um um yet and also be in tune with how the world is changing and how the world is consuming um those those voices whether or those modes of expression because um it's not the social media that's the big thing um social media is made big by human beings you know um, who are expressing themselves. So we'd be fools to think that social media is bigger than the beings, just as we would be fools to think that a CD or an NFT is, is ever going to be bigger than, than a human being. At least up to this point, human beings have been the ultimate leaders of, 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 of influence and, and direction of this world. So I'm a part of that and um and I'm and I and I just play my part um as little as it is um and uh, and I listen you know to be consistent with it because that's really what I'm here for. And you've been consistent. Um you mentioned change, you know. Um and obviously times have changed, but Going back to like when you were growing up, how was it like? Because um, I mean, you have an entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. as well. How was it cultivated? I mean, you know, um, I, I, I'm from a family where, you know, I, I was just talking about it uh, about now about my daughter, who's two years old, and I can already see she's a problem solver. You know, um, I'm from a background where my parent, my father. Literally, highest grade was grade 
three or standard one or something like that. Um, he's from the rural areas. Um, my mother's grandmother was an entrepreneur in the 70s, 80s. You know, he had a bunch of businesses. So, you know, I come from a space where um, the people, at least my lineage, is, 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 is problem solvers, you know. Um, it's people who try make things um, better for themselves and through that it spills over to other people who benefit from that because they are always going to be thinking of a community whenever they make things better you know so i'm from that kind of lineage so 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 yeah so 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 the entrepreneurial thing i guess is is, is a name once again that it's a label but it's really lineage, you know, your lineage is, are you a problem-solving lineage or are you, uh, or do you complement a problem-solver by being the present operational hands, you know, that means you could be an employer, an employer, um, or are you, or are you the person that literally, like, um, um, is the one that knows how to give the problem solver like um, the information that they need are you meaning are you a teacher you know um and um and because as a problem solver the more you learn you also you you, you innately become a teacher you know at the same time from your experience so uh, i'm 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 kind of from that lineage and um and i know that that pretty much is is what it is i could be i could have been passionate about about making tea you know and i could have figured out a way to to like create my own tea bag you know and start True. selling tea you know I mean, um yeah even today you know i mean so so like i think that like i um as long as I, I'm, I'm at the bottom line of my me is a problem solver that's my seed and um and it seems like the field i'm working in is is the creative and the music you know so if you break down life from like like who what are, who are you as a seed you know you have to literally plug into who your the rest of your family has been you know um which you can't run away from it then you got to identify which field you are in some people are uh, could be entrepreneurs, but they're in the doctor field, the medical field, you know. There's some people could be in the the, the food field, you know. It, it's all those things. So I'm in the I'm in the music field, and um, and it's about just like I'm um, nurturing it and learning and growing, and and being better in that space. And you've been pushing for many years. Um, I mean, I'm not really even pushing. I'm just alive doing me. True, but you've been in the industry for two decades, though. No, I've been in the field that literally is the purpose of my life, you know. So uh, the, uh, the industry is the boxes that everybody creates. I've been in the field that's the purpose of my life, you know, for two decades. So I'm not pushing. I'm just waking up to living what my purpose is. And you live and you're constantly, 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 constantly making more moves, making more moves to your purpose. Yeah, and that's why, going back to some of the questions you were asking me earlier on when I was on my laptop, I was hearing you and I was just saying, you see, you know, sometimes, you know, you, 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 you can't, you, it's like, like in the field, in the field that you are in and the food that you are planting, they will always be wolves, they'll always be like in, insects that eat the food, they'll always be those things, right? Um, so... 
because they literally like uh, there's always going to be a balance of parasite um, in life there's always like there's a balance of good and bad so in that field you're going you're gonna to say you meet up with the person and they go yo the hell with you I don't have the time to speak to you um, which is the question you're asking you're saying you meet somebody famous and you try to speak with them and they push you away and they say the hell with you um, what you were asking me about and you're like you know um, what are my thoughts on that and I go well I mean it depends you know because um, you know I'm not in like I don't know what feel that person is I literally go back to I deal with a lot of famous people who are inefficient who don't honor their word me you know um, but um, it doesn't mean that like I'm in the wrong field it just means that like those people literally they could be like the the apple that doesn't make it to 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 the store, you know what I mean? Um, but like they 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 hot now, but they still an apple. They hot, but but I'm been I've been here for 20 years, you know. Um, I see it how it all works out, and um, and you could have a good run for three four years, you know. You know it's cool, but like you know you still got another like 20 years, and I'm and I'm the way I'm in. I'm doing things that are literally gonna like allow me to be, even when I'm dead, you know, uh, the things I'm gonna do that I'm working on and I'm pursuing right now in the field of my my purpose. The things I'm pursuing are are literally going to um, are literally gonna gonna surpass my life, you know, um, currently because. I told them in 2003 that hip hop was going to be big and um and we going to live off it. I said that in 2003. They were like, oh, they never believed me and look at it now, you know. Um in 2013 I started slick on life. I said, "Yo, what's going to happen is we going to go digital. It's going to create this content." And look at me now, look where I'm sitting right now, 10 years later, right? And that was 2013, right? That was before Apple Music, before Spotify, before YouTube popped. And I mean, not meaning before them, meaning in South Africa. Yeah, you know what I mean? I remember. Um, so, you know, um, so when I'm saying even the things I'm working on now, I've always been working on things that are fixing the future. Um, and I'm 40 now, so the current things that I'm working on are going to... Are gonna be taken over by other people, and they're gonna make them bigger and better. Maybe someone like you, who knows? You know. So, um, so that's what it is. You know, I'm, I'm. All, I always tell people that I'm working for the future. You know, um, I work for the future. Um, I don't work for today because um, today has the problems of all the people in the past who never fixed things. You know. So, so I work for the future. So. Uh, so in my field at least, and then I say my field, which is creativity, content, music, in my field at least we could things could be people could build on it to make it better from an African context, not from a from a global context where we've got all these incredible global platforms, but they weren't built from an African context. They were built from a probably a Silicon Valley context which doesn't speak to Ukwiz in umlas or whatever the case may be. So how do we build these things? Although I'm not also like like immediately speaking to Kwezi from Umlazi now, but Kwezi from Umlazi will have access to me quicker 
um, like you've had access to me quicker. And he'll go, and he'll be able to influence it so it can have an impact to people from him, you know what I mean? So it's also important to say that I'm not building from a context or a scope your quiz was in last. I'm building from Siabong or Sekatlu Hong. I am Maro Siabong or Sekatlu Hong. We are Bazam and Basim Lazi. Lineages from about Bia, Metani, like Siabong or Sekatlu Hong. We are Ziwa, Mpumalang, we are Ziwa, young Kinda, because of whom Sevens work. And uh, so the thing is that Nalum Sevens is as a Kobega. And anyone will be able to influence it from a context of an African, and that will move to a context of a, of a well, South African to a constant, it will move from, it will start from a South African context to an African context. So that's where it is, and I can guarantee you half these companies or these global companies that are built in the context of Silicon Valley, Babi Zebonke, all of them, uh, whether they're in the music distributors, whether the social media platforms, mm. if he may has any, if he could get a job and make some money, but influence is a big thing, you know. Now you're talking about influence, right? You've had influence in the music space mainly, right? When did you gravitate towards music? When did you find yourself? gravitating towards making music, creating music? When was your love sparked for music? Um, I mean, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan as a kid. It started there. Um, and then when I, because I was in the 80s, it was at the times that apartheid, you know? So, you know, from there, you know, the 80s, you just start seeing, you don't see enough black people that you want to be like, with all due respect. Um, because of apartheid and what apartheid has done to them and to their minds and to their growth, um, within you you don't even know, um, you haven't even, you don't even understand the concept of being global. But there's this global thing that you have inside you, and so when I saw this rap, these rappers, so I loved my Mike, the Michael Jackson music. But when I saw these young rappers just being saying things that I was like, geez, like I've never seen black people like this. That's when I fell in love with the idea of a progressive, expressive, free black. And that came through the package of hip hop. Um, but I was in love with the, with the concept, that concept, because that gave me reason to love myself. You know what I mean? Um, that gave me reason to have hope for myself. Um, less the music, but the people, because we all want to feel like we're important, but in order in order for us to feel like we're special, we gotta, especially when you're young, we gotta see the representation of someone who looks like us, who's actually like doing well. And I saw that in rap music for the first time, um, and I fell in love with the idea of being expressive, loving yourself, speaking your mind, and 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 not having a ceiling, you know. Um, I fell in love with that idea and I felt that that suited me in my life, you know. Um, but it was packaged in rap music, you know. Now, rap music and you obviously learning to love yourself, finding yourself loving music to the core. Squatter Camp came to be mm. birthed 
Yeah. How did you guys come into formation? I mean, it, it wasn't, we never even came into formation. We're just a bunch of friends, you know, um, who, because, you know, you know, like, oh, okay, I know that this guy from Heidelberg knows that, like, there's a guy called Slick in Leondale. This guy from Soweto literally knows that, like, he's rapping, but he knows Sugar Smacks, you know, and Sugar Smacks knows, like, someone else he goes to school with from Alex. So we're just boys. And because there wasn't a lot of rap, you know, we really resonated to each other because we all were rappers, you know, so we're just boys. Um, and um, even the name Squatter Camp, it was like it was Flabber's birthday in Alex. It was a joke, you know, it was like, ah, sis busy Squatter Camp, you know. So you must know there's no money, there's no money, there's no career we think this is going to be. We don't think it's going to be a career. Like, I think, like, Maslang and Nisonke, there's almost like four, it's like there's like 13 of us, you know, it's just boys, you know. Um, so even the name, we weren't formed. We weren't. We say Amachita, you know, and um, but and what what we had though that differentiated us from other friends who rapped is that I had built a studio in my house, you know. So and at the time having a studio already, like I say, I've been telling y'all that I was living in the future, you know. At the time in the in in the nineties, just having a studio in your house, I mean. The equipment that like um, 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 companies, the sound companies were selling, were not for home studios. So you wouldn't find like a mixer like as small as this one here in front of you. You wouldn't find like a a machine as small as this in front of you. You know the speakers were all super big, um, like. Um, like they, they had racks and racks of like like um, um, sequences or things where you could record. It wasn't all digital, you know what I mean? You know, everything. So what you needed to do if you wanted a music career, it's almost like you needed to buy, imagine you, 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 have, you still have to buy a computer, but imagine you have to buy almost 20 computers to start a music studio, right? So luckily my brother was into software, so that's when like, the software thing was starting to happen, but the computers weren't. You, you have to buy an expensive computer to to process some of the some of the synths, you know, whatever the case be. So luckily, my brother was in IT. Um, I did Jam Alley and um, the show Jam Alley as a, as a contestant. I got some money. I started buying some equipment through Jam Alley. Uh, my brother got me the computer. Smacks literally saw what I was doing. Um, he was an actor at the time. He spoke to his late dad to also like help us with some equipment. You know, even the speakers that we had, like we had like disco speakers, you dig, um, for the studio, you know. Um, and, um, you know, his father got us the speakers. Um, Infa also was always there. He started getting kind of like the cabling, you know, but it was all happening at my mother's house. So um, so that I spout the idea, but everyone else contributed in a little way um, as they did, you know. And um, and and that's the difference with us is that so we'd come, how much it would come record. You know, we fascinated by the fact that, yo, we can record, but... Before that, you know, we were recording in gospel studios. We were recording where they and they were giving us free time. You know, um, like uh, like uh, people like Abusis Wezako, um, that those the guys who started like Pure Magic. They had they had Rebecca Malope at the time signed to them. You know, so those guys through relate through labels late on literally gave us time in the studio. But it would always be. You know, they treat you like kids or they wouldn't like you. You literally catch four taxis and wait 
and they tell you that no you can't record today so again i said fuck this this is when i went and i built my own studio um and i had the idea of building my own studio and obviously like i said the brothers snacks info they they saw the vision bought into the vision and contributed in their little way um and and when we were hanging out, and that's how also the music started becoming like finessed, you know. I mean, songs like Omoy, there were a bunch of other songs. You have to, I tell people all the time that music is a practice, you know. It's a, you literally have to be in the studio every day or at least like, like often. So you can go, ah, that shit is a shit song. I should have said this better. Next time I'm going to, I'm saying this a lot. I need to stop saying this, you know. You know, you almost need to find yourself sound through through like um hearing yourself and trying and trying again means sick of hearing yourself and going i want to go through a whole new direction so right now i don't think that's the that's the effort that's been put into making music you know um um, that's why I really support guys who, even if I don't think they're great lyrically or whatever, but have great output because those guys are constantly working on their output and improving, you know. So that's where the, the, the thing started. We never planned to be a group. We just had a studio. We had music. We were recording it on tapes. We sold it in our hoods. Like, it shit became so influential. We literally had guys in different hoods um, buying, we literally buy tapes, empty tapes in the streets, empty tapes for context. That means that was like where we would record the music. We'd literally buy empty tapes, go record, tape our music on these tapes, maybe have 10 or 20 of them, distribute them to cats in Tembisa, in Soweto, give them to them for 10 rand, they'd sell them for 15 rand. Guys who were literally good at selling, we'd literally start going, okay, here, here's 10 anyway, without, here, here they are on, on consignment, meaning for free. So you'll get them on consignment when you've bought them, you, you, when you've sold them, you bring them back, you bring back the money to us, you know? So we, we would start doing deals like that, you know? Um, and, um, you know, we, we, we started this and how going viral was someone who bought it during like um during during school times and during holidays, Mabaya Makaya, they literally played with to other people, whether it was in Natal or Cape Town. And then you hear you then you hear someone from Cape Town talking about Squatter Camp and you're like, yo, how did it even get there? And that was people carrying a tape. You went viral if people took your tape. If you if your stuff was worth if someone said, Yo, when I get home, I'm gonna play this also. Because it's not just the Jobek thing when I'm in Jobek, but when I get home, because there's a lot of students that would go home. So um, so that was really the foundation of it. And and we weren't planning it. You understand? It's, you know, it's, it's that thing where you go pushing, pushing. We weren't pushing. We we're just doing. You know what I mean? Life, that's what life is about. You've got the choice to wake up and, and just do constructive or you've got the choice to wake up and just do nothing and you've got the choice to wake up and just be and, and, and do and, and do destructive, you know. Um, but like if you literally train yourself to do constructive, you'll always be working and you'll always be doing things that you don't even know you're doing that are influencing people or even influencing the future or the present, you know. So, so you can't separate um, 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 work with uh with 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 actually passion you know and doing you you know doing you has to be part of your work the way i see it you how know big I mean? was your mom's house bro for you guys to be building a studio i mean you said that i mean there were industrial studio equipment bro mm -hmm. so i'm sure the space you have to have space 
How big was your mom's house? <laughs> well, besides that, you know, remember what even when I described the studio, the reason why people weren't building studios was because of all this equipment. But the world was changing and it was becoming digital. So we had a laptop, we had a keyboard, um, we had a mic, we'd record in the toilet, you know. Um, one take. <laughs> what? It's a one take situation. It's a three minute song. One take. Y'all sitting there. Everybody must know the chorus. I'm going to tell you from the beginning that I'm going to go, yo, when I jumped out the elevator, she came through and she said, yo, you got to wait up. Um, and when I say, yo, elevator, you got to go, go, elevator. And I tell them, we got to, got to, got to wait up. <laughs> you got to literally go, got to wait up. You know, so literally everybody has to literally know when to say stuff. And um, the worst thing is that you, you've you done this. And remember, this is like a situation where we go with 16 bars of rapping. Then you got to breathe and get into the chorus and the guy backs you up on the chorus. Get your next 16 bars of rap, chorus. Get your next 16 bars. The worst thing that can happen is that the guy who's on the chorus fucks it up on the second one. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Or yeah. you literally like um, say something, you say the wrong thing on the third verse. You know what I mean? So, I mean, all that shit was intense, you know? So, so you know, I mean... um. Even now, you know, I, I kind of forget, you know, that like, no, man, just stop that thing. Let me just go, hey, yo, let me breathe. Let me just do it after the take. Let me do four bars, one, two, three. I still have this habit of trying to rap a 16 bar. And I'm like, no, we're not there anymore. Just do two, just do three bars or four bars. Breathe, listen to the energy of the four bars, right from that. And then, you know, you'll literally be like in, in, in pocket with the drum, you know. So obviously you get out of pocket if you're rapping like, like almost like a 48 bar verse you know with no breathing and no stopping and someone else there on the other side is taping you know and by the way while, while that is happening because you know you've got the beat like arranged so he's arranging the beat you know on the other side so every arrangement of beat and vocals is happening at the same time you know and in four minutes a song is done no, when you're putting it like that, that's a mission. I don't think I'd survive that studio process, bro. Because yeah, all of you guys cool. now are hogging onto one mic. Or is it multiple mics? We got one mic. What do you mean? So we, got one <laughs> mic. Yes, we got one mic. You know what I mean? We got one mic. You get in the toilet. We lock you up. Yes, and um, you don't come out until your shit is done. Yes, you know what I mean. That is a but pande. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. You know, um, now, cut and joy. Yeah, or cut and join. and join. Yeah. How did that come about? What was the creation process for it? I mean, now that you're saying you guys recorded whole toilet, toilet shit. Is that a whole toilet shit? Um, cut and join. You know. Um, um, I mean, I think it was quite a campaign that came first. That was the highly, highly toilet one. Um, the second one, by the time we were on current join, we were already like using um, software. Because what we used to do, we used to record directly to tape, you know? So it like um, nothing goes computer, literally like it's like directly to tape, right? Oh, so yeah. that's why, you know, on a computer right now, it gives you channels. The tape is taking everything. <laughs> it's taking the beat, the vocals, everything. <laughs> so what happens by the time we and current join? I think we, are, we at that time we were already on. We were already using technologies, but you know our, our computers couldn't take so many files, and it wasn't like a small MacBook. It was some PC that had a big hard drive and a, a, a big. A, a, it was a big PC, and um, and the last, the worst thing that could happen was that for that for that hard drive to crash. Yes, those ones that were loading slow. 
Yo, you gotta wait. Yes, yes. You know, so um, using those, what do they call them? And these these things that you insert inside for storage. What do they call them? It's a, it's a hard drive. The hard you, you you literally you, you literally have. Okay, so you have the floppy disk. So the floppy disk couldn't take any music. They weren't big enough. Um, it was um, it was it was it was uh, it was uh, it was a hard drive that would take that. But the hard drive is inside the machine. You know, I mean, the sound card was always. Uh, part of the computer and like back then the computers have fucked up sound cards so your audio <laughs> would sound um your audio would sound like shit when you listen to it it sounds like it sounds like it's coming out of it's being recorded through and we were frustrated just getting the sound right just getting the sound right was a frustration you know um i mean it, it's crazy i listened to some of the songs some of the old songs i used to listen to and i would literally like crack my skull and go how did they get the so clear like how did they get that those drums to come out like because your drums always came out with a little bit of a hiss like you know what i mean and it was the sound card because your sound card wasn't 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 taking out the drum the keyboard would make the drum sound like by the time it gets to your tape it sounds like shit so i would get frustrated um and i'd have sleepless nights um because i just can't get the sound right you know um it was it, it was crazy you know even when i think about it i feel sorry for the thing for myself because of of the way uh, um the way i was just so frustrated so that's why when i hear these songs that i'd listen to like the mob deeps and i just hear how that drum is like how it's done you know, so clearly it's so clean crisp yeah you know and and then a part of it is about as about you learning how to mix you know so you learn that like the bass sounds good in the big speakers and you kind of mix the bass equal to maybe like a to maybe a synth and because it sounds like good on your speakers you put that on tape the bass swallows your drum so now your drum sounds because the bass is so heavy and the bass now swallows your drum right um because when you when you're mixing you're mixing with like you you you, you the parts of the songs are literally like um um not like coming out as loud as 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 a mastered song right um because a mastered song takes everything and literally amplifies it so what it is when you producing you just have a piece of a bass and you have the sound from the keyboard right so by the time you're mixing and then you're exporting it and you're going to play it in your car and you're going to literally like now boost cuz now it's boosted you know that bass is like grrr, it makes it swallows your drum you know you can't hear the little things you're playing like the the pianos or the whatever the the small sounds you play the hidden things yeah, the things you know that the strings you know you I don't see. hear the strings because the bass is just swallowing everything so you get frustrated cuz you don't understand that oh there's a mixing process cuz these are all self-learned things right so there's a lot of frustration um i've got i think i've had my fair share of um of being frustrated in the studio you know um uh, making music but i'm um, i'm enjoying now i'm enjoy i'm like i've just started making music again um without the baggage and the stuff i'm thinking of in the history <laughs> you know uh, i've got my own setup at the crib you know yeah i've set up here also you yeah. know um and i'm producing and you know the computers can process the samples you know there's not a lot to be frustrated by something being swallowed along the way and unfortunately i've got someone i can call when i'm going through things you know um 
and I'm enjoying just making music though now. It's just like I took some piano lessons, which what? like now I stopped <laughs> COVID, but like um, but I'm learning the piano myself. I'm learning to hear music. I'm learning to hear music um, so I can go try play it also. And and I just do a normal running or jogging thing and I just get home and I just wanna, I just wanna just like play something and no drums, no nothing, just play. And um, and then I follow my heart, you know? It's not like, a, I'm not trying to make a song like this, like that. I'm just following my heart, you know? Anything you hear from me, any music, that's gonna come out, which something might come out in in a few weeks. Waiting, I'll um, be waiting. Anything you hear from me is gonna be. You must know that it was an organic process. I played it myself. In fact, the song that I might take out, I, I bought in some like instrumentalists also to play some stuff also live that I already had an idea for while I was playing. So you must know the stuff that's gonna come out is stuff that I produced, I wrote. Um, I played and and it was just I was just having an intimate session with myself and uh, and then the words just came you know shit that is fire bro yeah now backtracking after after cut and join right and cuckoo function dropped it went gold how did that feel like bro um, and you know what value did it bring to the team you know I mean the thing was that there was never an album that's gone gold before a hip hop album. Yeah, we were the first, you know. So it wasn't just like a, a oh we went gold. It was like yo hip hop just went gold. That was the news. It wasn't about Squatter Camp. It was like hip hop just went gold. The album went platinum. Then you know it opened the doors. It opened the doors for 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 everyone. You know, when we thought that that was the change. I mean, look at what has happened twenty years ago. Uh, with twenty years later with hip hop, you know. So um, um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a it wasn't like an individual success. It was an industry success, you know. It was an industry success. It was an industry benchmark, um, and that's what we did when we went gold. It was we literally literally moved, changed, made made history. I mean, from the South African context. You guys were pushing an independent deal, direct distribution deal with music. I mean. Those that don't know Musica, yeah, just know, you're too young. Yeah, yeah, Musica, <laughs> look and listen, yeah. You know what I mean? Y'all push the direct distribution deal with them. Mm. I mean, someone else would be like, okay, direct distribution, what do they mean? Was it a thing of getting my music out there on digital platforms, but in that case with like CDs, cassettes yeah, and stuff like yeah, that, right? Yeah. But before we tap into that, you guys got bashed by Galo Records. Mm. Right after that, you like bashed is like you got, you got approached. Yeah. How did that record deal come about, bro? And um, I were the first to do it. Superstaller literally like was they were following us. I think we just won our first summer award at the and um the first official hip hop summer award, right? Shit. All the time yeah. the award was being given to um um they said rap, they'd give it to guys who were doing a bit of Guaido or I, I mean, I know Zuai has got one too from TKZ and that was, you know, Bob Mabena, the late Bob Mabena, they probably, but like we were like, that's not even hip hop. <laughs> but considered. Um, you know, shout out to them though, and much respect to them. Um, and we were the first kind of hip hop outfit that's just hip hop, boom bap, to win an, a, a, a summer award, a South African Music Award. Um, and, um, and I think, you know, that what happened there is that, like, um, I mean, I, I got on stage and I said something like, if you ever, 
if I'm because you know we used to do our own deals like you say with the musica and the look and listens um which means that like we would print our own music um think about like food print our own music deliver it at the stores do the deals you know all that so you know um we were very aware that like um people needed to go to store so i got up on stage and i said like um if um if our music is not in every store you must burn it you know that's what i said like um at the summer awards it's just uh i think it was a f- pretty much of a provocative um statement and it would set the tone for the rest of my life in the industry that like don't trust that guy <laughs> with an open mic you know um and um and um you see my thing is that like i i i've never said i don't say you know people always like you know um i i i'd say these things that are that are that shock people but like i'm not i i've never bashed my own people my creative people or artists but i've always questioned the system so people are never ready for that so people think that like you know um and i'm digressing a bit people think that like you know um saying shocking things is is actually tearing your own people down where we say things um that for systems that are putting us down you know um if i cannot pick up the phone and tell you i got a problem with you um i i i'd rather try do that first and say that like say it on social media you know um but again you know i digress let me come back what happens is that like um sony i mean gallo seizures from there you know and um and the guy superstore the guy called superstore starts following us okay on twitter No, just play no, <laughs> you see now he's following us to Cape Town you know Damn. you know for a concert there was a concert called Gabba versus Josie shit so he flew down he flew up yes oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he flew up to get down you know? um so he, he follows us to Cape Town and there's a comp- there's a big show called Gabba versus Josie where it's like the Cape Town the Joba goddess I mean Joba goddess like proverb zabs ourselves but Joba killed Cape Town that night Damn, you know Joba killed it um we went there with we went to Cape Town at the bus what you know, I know that shit is crazy for us it was like yo it's the biggest thing we need to be there you know whether we're ca- flying or driving don't right, matter man, forget flying I mean, <laughs> no one thought about flying then True. We like we going there with the bus. It was a hell of a trip. Um when we get there, you know, the bus hasn't been paid for, you know, oh, so it doesn't bring gosh. us back. Um they no more. So like Sipostolo literally um got flew everyone back from from Cape Town. But he was there for squatter camp just to see that. And then, you know, um how that connection happened Junior from Boom Shaka literally said yo this guy's was totally trying to get a hold of you guys and he gave us the contact i think label got a hold of him and you know we got signed that was a that was the first hip hop group to get signed also you know so he dm'd you <laughs> yeah this down now you see now you have to, you see this is why everybody thinks that like everybody thinks that like um um a post is enough people people were flying to connect with you people were literally like leaving their houses to support you you know what i mean stopping what they're doing to support you you know um and um 
And so, you know, you know, I, I, I always go, you know, people must be chill. You could have a million followers, you could have two million followers. But if those cats aren't walking out to kind of go do, you've only probably got like a hundred thousand or a thousand of them that will literally do what they were doing for us. So, you know, the rest are just trying to not miss the news. You know, they, they're not trying to get the FOMO. They also want to say, ah, we saw the post too. Oh, I, you know, so, so you know, I mean, um, that's another thing about being a creative and an artist. It's like, you must also know, you know, um, like, who are your allies? You know, don't be so gassed by numbers you don't control. True. You know what I mean? Now, I'm behind the label, obviously, you touch base on the label side of the music section, the business, but we're yeah. going to tap into that in a few. Yeah. Um, you know, Carlo approached you guys, you signed. Then Def Jam also along the line approached you guys. Mm -hmm. This is before the split of the group. How did that approach even come about? So for clarity, the group has never split. Even now, the group is not split, hasn't split. Oh, shoot. How could we split Samachi? We're homies. Oh, yeah, true, you know? true that. There's no such thing. We true just, that. We just, we just grew, we just grew, you know? We grew each other in that moment, as you say. Yeah, what did you... It's interest, it's um, it's perspective, it's, uh, there's so many things, you know. Um, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I've always, we've never split. It's just, things just happen, you know, like natural occurrence. Like when we hook up and if we're in this studio right now, you know, it'll be popping, you know what I mean? And it'll be getting drinks, if there's instrumentals, it'll be popping right now. That's just how it is, you know? That is fine. I mean, we got a full album ready from pre-order right now on Apple Music with Scotty Cam. So you could just go get that even now and just get the pre-order uh, since we're here. Um, but you, 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 you are, you're asking... Um, but the Def Jam deal. No, so Def Jam, Def Jam was more like... Um, um, Def Jam came through Sony. I mean, through Gallo. My bad, Rama. Def Jam came through Gallo. <laughs> Sony's right? just there. Yeah, just... Yeah, hey. yeah. Def Jam came through Gallo, and um, what Def Jam wanted, they wanted us to do a song for Christine Emilian called Dip It Low. There's a song called Dip It Low, and um, they wanted us to do the South African remix, but we were like, no, but like, who the hell is Christine Milian, firstly? And second to that, we were like, um, look, she ain't popping, we popping. So for you guys to tell us that a full stranger is going to take our rights, our publishing rights, that's not going to happen. So that song never happened simply because, you know, the split sheet conversation, sure. they were like, nah, y'all ain't getting nothing. This is an American and y'all just going to rap and forget it. You know what I mean? So we we're like, nah, yeah, if, ain't, we, if we ain't in the cut, then nah. And then um, the, our, our only way of bending was saying, let's let Christine Milan release this version in America and then we'll let go of our royalties because then she's adding value in our lives. You know what I mean? Um, uh, the, the, the label was furious that like they'd spoken to Def Jam and they were so excited about it and they pitched the squatter camp and now the squatter camp is full of shit because they seem to know their story. You know yeah, what I mean? They're trying so, to exploit you guys. I mean, publishing is important. It's essential. Exactly. And I know. mean, it's not as if they were resources available for people to learn about publishing rights or were they? 
I mean, there were companies. I mean, we knew our shit, so it wasn't even like they knew if they knew what they were doing. Um, the fact that they, I mean, they knew what they were doing. The, uh, they really knew what they were doing. But again, I always go, you know, sometimes, you know, you someone else's bait for them for 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 you someone else's bait for for a bigger for a bigger fish, you know. Sure. And I think that for them to allow that, clearly we were the bait for a bigger fish inside Gallo. It wasn't really about us. They want they you know. So if we can throw you the squatter camp, what what would you will you return to us? So you must know when you bait, you know. And I think we were we were just the bait. And fortunately, even as a group. We all like we agreed and we said fuck it, you know, and um, the the label was mad at us. It changed the relationship with the label. Basic Tugan and Malifini, you know. Um, I mean, the guys once time were sitting, um, and they were like, fuck it, we're gonna go get our royalties from the label now. They went to the label and they said they want their money now. They fought, they fought, they fought, they got paid, I don't know. It, it just it started just becoming like a, a death row kind of situation. I see, to um, and them. Yeah, you know, so, uh, um, but it, but we know there were worse stories than ours, but like um, in during the time, because guys would literally go to labels with guns to ask for their royalty. What? Because they were, because they, yeah, that's what used to happen during our time. Gun, guys would come with guns, you know, to get their royalties. Not us, but uh, like uh, uh, the, the artists of the day there. Or guys would come with bats to say, yo, where the fuck is my money? You know what I mean? Um, so we, I think with the bats, I think I might know who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, you know, we're from that school of, of, of musician and artists, you know, where, um, where like now, you know, um, um, yeah, so so anyway, you know, that's that's just pretty much what happened with them. Um, with um, with 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 um, with the, with the Def Jam thing. I mean, further than that though, what happened is that like um, we were about to have our own relationship with Def Jam and Squatter Camp, because um, at the time Ludacris was really big and he came to South Africa, and um, we he was doing he was like closing the show, so they called us up and they were like you know we put a challenge to them. We said put an African act. As a, a dude at the time, Peter literally like challenged the guys from Ludacris's camp, and they're like, "Okay, we'll see." But you know, Ludacris is so Ludacris did his thing. He went backstage, invited us to his backstage, whatever. He did his thing. He literally stepped back when we got on, <laughs> and we literally did this. Um, it was a big song at the time. I think it was. We did it more, you know. Yo, the crowd went crazy. Ludacris like came back on stage, and he was with us there jumping on stage with us and then and then and then when we were about to leave they're like no don't go because he had one more song so they were putting us in just before his last song we had one more song to do and the last song we we're gonna do the last song that he was gonna do was that when i move you move you know what i mean that was huge right stand up so he literally just called us on stage to do that um and then a relationship was started you know um they flew me and um, and my manager at the time to, to to Atlanta, they wanted to set up a meeting with um with Jay Z was head of um, Def Jam at the time. They wanted to set up a meeting with Kevin Lyles, you know, and um, but like I just think think that those guys, they, but they on at their own cost, they got us accommodation. They flew us to there, um, but I think um because remember Ludacris and them are in the south, 
and I think um, Dev Jam and them is in New York. So it's like flying from here to Cape Town as an example. So we're in the south and in Atlanta, um, and um, for them they were trying to set up this meeting with these guys, you know, but it seems like the other Kevin Lyles and, and Jay-Z and them weren't getting back, you know. So it was a, a kind of fruitless kind of trip, but uh, but it was great to experience that energy because I kind of got into the studios where like boys to men were recording. I was part of uh, LaFace, Outcast, all these guys were recording in these Atlant these Atlanta studio studios, and um, and I was um, and I, and and you know I got to experience a session because they were recording like a DTP kind of compilation album. Um, I got to literally see their process in studio. I got to two chains was still called Teddy Boy at the time. I got to see two chains like them doing his thing there, you know. It was it was it was incredible. I got to see how they were selecting beats, you know, um and who would be sending them beats and what they would throw aside. And I'm like, yo, you throwing that aside. It was it was it was it was a great experience, you know. Um and I then started understanding the why why certain music works um for certain regions you know at the time young jeezy was popping um the snowman you know and um and i never understood what was pop but when you're in the environment then you feel it you know um ludicrous was still i mean ludicrous i mean nas was still going out with Khalees um at the time and um I was at they 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 had a Virgo party when Nas came to the south, and um, they had like a joint party with Ludacris. He came with Khalees, and you know just being around those spaces and it's like, okay, this is how things work. If only social media was around at that time, a lot of shit would have been out. You best believe, you know what I mean. Um, so you know, I mean, it's it's. Um, I always say that like it's unfortunate. Um, everybody, the reason why. Um, Jay and Kevin Lyles weren't like jumping to it is because there was no social media for them to see how popping Africa was so um, and we were the only guys so you can imagine it's 2000 and it's 2009 or 2008 right it's 2006 actually it could have been 2006 yeah 2006 it's almost like 17 years ago um, even Americans are ignorant about Africa I always say that Ludacris' team literally knew about I've thought about Africa before everybody. You know, they were ahead of their time, you know. So Abu Jay-Z and all these guys are not thinking like that at the time. You know what I mean? Um, so you can imagine when, um, when like, the world opens up like it's opened up, like, now, um, and, and everybody's going... Um, Africa to the world and the, you know you got the burner boys you got and now you're seeing all these guys who like whether it's a Jay-Z whether it's a whoever if you see or you now you see they got Rock Nation Africa they got this it's like they weren't woke to it 17 years ago and if they had been woke about it I think oh man they'll be far there's so much they could have done because when you convert True. the dollar to the rand it's crazy right? and they would have made a lot of money oh come on you know in many ways you know what True. I mean so so you know um so when you see all these things right now and all these interactions and you see all these black Americans like doing it they were not they were not hip to Africa 17 years ago they were not hip to Africa 17 years ago. It was just like, you know, the first kind of kind of interaction with an American where 
like she felt she felt like she was cool um was besides the ludicrous camp was Ke i met kelly Rowland also Ooh. you know and she um, was here just like i think a week or two yeah ago. she was she was it's the second well as far as i know i mean it's the second time she's here but i met her like a good like 12 years ago you know during during the world cup you know and she was super chilled man you know like we'd, we were doing some stuff rehearsals with her blah blah and she was like going to the club she was like a she was she, she was like okay there's something happening here but it's funny when i see all these americans but it's you know it's also a new generation of americans True. when you think of jigger when you think of Boba Ferrell, when you they like the older guys and now they're chasing the oh the younger guys who are plugging into oh whiz kid Tim's. they're chasing the younger guys who are seeing that they're chasing the drakes True. it's drake people like drake and them are, are, are literally like um global citizens for real those guys minds are open you know those guys i mean there was no drake at the time you know even kanye west's mind is not as open as drake's mind to the world you know what i mean not so self-absorbed american self-absorbed so so you know when you think about it you know um the world only gets better because people get better also True. so when you when we're looking at all these things that are happening with the major league guys when you're looking at the deals that that could have been something that happened with squatter camp 17 19 years ago when you you know when you look at you know when you look at the stuff that's happened with nasty you know it's 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 all things that were there but the americans literally weren't woke you know to africa uh, you know um, and they had the resources to invest in us you know what i mean but i mean you look at blacksmith black uh, the blacksmith mambazo right Lady Smith, Black Mambas, oh my mm. bad. Look at how they, I, I think they were like, they took South Africa um, on an international level. And I think that's when they realized, oh shit, the likes of Mira Makeba even. Like, oh shit, okay, there's such people that exist. There's such talent, but they didn't necessarily see hip hop, the hip hop scene, they didn't get at that time. Well, I mean, you gotta see it this way. And that's why I say it's people, you know? Um, people can literally move forward and they can also be regressive. Mary Makeba was, was the biggest black artist in America. I don't know, if bigger than Beyonce. She was a Beyonce in America. That's who Mary Makeba was. Um, you look at people like uh, uh, Ababa Kaifa Semenya, you know. Um, they were working with Quincy Jones. Those black guys, we, they were all young. But they understood, they were they were progressive. Our Quincy Jones and all the people that worked with him, those were black people who were progressive, who said, you know, how are we going to really bring in this African sound? So those guys literally were, were worldly people. And then the rappers come. And when the rappers come, although I elicit that the guys, they literally like were regressive. They were backwards, you know. So this progression that Abu Quincy have done to connect the world. When the rappers come, the rappers obviously they're trying to survive in America. They talking about that, so they can't think about all the things of the rest of the world. So you know, these this new group of young Americans is regressive. They don't pick up from the progression that like Abu Quincy. <laughs> Abu Quincy and all these other Americans have made with the rest of Africa from a musical perspective. So, you know, we you kind of disconnect to that. Then you find this new generation where, you know, I mean, like I say, you know, you find about Drake. Like, Drake for me, really, really, besides just Africa, uh, like Drake as a human being, I say, you know, if there's, a, if there's one hell of a kind human being, Drake must be one hell of a good person because he knows his power. 
He knows what it means when he posts you up. He knows what it means when he throws your song. Even till this day, he's throwing random people's songs on his albums. He knows what all those things mean because he knows he's got that power True. and he's got that create the freedom of creation, right? So, like Tim's, the, I mean, the steps that Tim's has taken, you know, Wizkid, you know, this is Drake, you know, this is one American who literally, like, has, in my view, has literally made everybody go, let's wake up to Af even if he's not involved in the rest of the Africans that literally start popping. But he was the one that was courageous enough to say, Africa, let's like, and when I say courageous, a young, courageous, cool guy, not like an old guy. He's like a young, sure, courageous, ignorant. I mean, it's like putting it out the same as when you start thinking about it, like SABC. Yeah. How it's structured. I mean, it's run by old people. Yeah. Literally, yeah. it's run by old people. And I think slowly but surely, it's slowly getting to that point where it's changing for the greater good and adapting to like today's time. Did you believe? Never.